Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Ronkel and the Mayor. Let's uh, jump right in the slipstream here and uh, start talking about my walks, which are going great. Uh, springtime in Portland is awesome, and uh, yeah, there is, there's no denying that the temperature here has been great. We had a little bit of rain, but basically most of last week it was 74 degrees, and uh, yeah, nice, nice little breeze. Um, I've had to break out like the summer or spring gear um, for more breathable gear for walking. Um, but, uh, you know, the walks the walks have been great. The path is all done. All the plantings are done on the path, finally. All the lines are painted, and tons of people are using it. Uh, no more incidents. I haven't been, I got hit that first day, but basically, uh, since then, everything has been great. So, uh, no complaints. And uh, the uh, painting here is, uh, the Share It Square painting is all finished. Now, I took some pictures, and if you follow me on Twitter, at Ronkel, I posted some pictures. There's also some drone footage and uh, some local news footage, which I didn't include, but um, you can you can easily find it. Um, there's There actually were quite a few uh, little news stories and stuff done on uh, Share It Square. And if you hear some banging around in the background, uh, I'm getting a new porch on the house and a wraparound deck. So some uh, a guy named John is actually tearing, he tore it all out, and he's building it back up right now. So... Uh, bear with me. Um, so far, it's been pretty pretty quiet. But uh, the uh, flowers are up everywhere. My wildflower patch is going bananas. Uh, there are tons of new flowers coming in, like a second wave is coming in. And there's a lot more little yellow flowers. Uh, not sure what any of them are. I know that I have California poppies, but um, most of this other stuff, there's some lilies mixed in. I had some bulbs I just threw up there as well. So they've all come out. So there's a pretty wide variety and then uh, I also have a little wildflower patch in my garden where I have four tomatoes that the tomatoes are kicking ass. And so are the blueberries. This will be a great year for blueberries. So uh, things are looking pretty nice around here. And, uh, you know, with the walks, I've upped my push-ups and sit-ups trying to uh, keep my core strong. To uh, I just want to avoid injury as I'm getting older and stuff. I don't want to – I want a strong enough core so that um, – yeah, so I can still bend over and do things. And not like I'm ancient, but I'm trying to uh, be preemptive here uh, and uh, just stay in motion uh, as long as as long as I possibly can to ward off anything. So um, also a uh, little bit of a little bird bath news. Um, got a ton of little birds there that come to the bird bath and they all kind of actually some of these same birds kind of I guess they live in the wildflowers and so every once in a while they've kind of gotten used to me I'll see all these little eyeballs looking at me and they're scared but they don't fly away or even if they do they just fly a couple feet and then they come right back um, the crows have also gotten used to me uh, they don't they don't run for me they just kind of look at me and make little noises and I'll chirp back at them I have a crow bird call thing that I use sometimes um, but the crows come and put food in the bird bath. So, you know, I'm norm normally I'm finding bread, white bread and peanuts. Uh, they also drop walnuts onto the street, crack them open. Um, but on my walk the other day, I saw a crow eating a piece of pizza and he saw me. So he grabbed that thing and uh, flew away with it. It was kind of funny. And then the next day at my house, I looked outside and there was a, basically an entire piece of pizza sitting in the bird bath with like a bite out of it. And I go outside and this crow comes and he's eating it and tearing it apart. And he sees me and he does the same thing as the other crow. He grabbed that piece of pizza and he flew away like, no way, dude. <laughs> it was just kind of funny seeing this big bird with a big piece of pizza in its mouth. Um, and, I, and I thought to myself, you know, 
uh, and I've told people this, I think when the nuclear apocalypse comes, the crows might just eat the cockroaches and that will finish off the planet. Um, It's amazing. I mean, they can eat anything, fruit, nuts, meat. And uh, speaking of meat, uh, that was the other thing. Uh, After the pizza incident, I looked outside later in the day and there was something in the birdbath. There were a large amount of flies and I realized it's a dead rat. And as I start to walk outside, two crows come and just start tearing the thing apart, basically eating it. They just eat this rat. I don't know where they, I mean, they flew it in and dropped it in the birdbath. So I clean out the birdbath. And a little while later, there's another rat laying in there. And I go outside and the crow comes and he's pecking its eyes out and just eating it. And I thought, oh my God, so the crows, you know, they're totally meat eaters too. Um, And uh, I thought, okay, so I cleaned the birdbath out. And the next morning I get up and there's a big tail hanging out. There's another dead rat. So I don't know where they found all these rats, but I do live near the river. And uh, I guess, you know, that's, uh, they're just bringing them here and then soak them up in the birdbath, marinate them. I don't know what they're doing, but uh, pretty disgusting, but also pretty interesting watching these uh, crows eat these rats. And, uh, you know, we do have a lot of construction going on here in this neighborhood because everybody's moving here. Uh, So things get stirred up. So I'm assuming the crows, you know, found them, uh, found it that way. Anyhow, these were fairly large rats. I was pretty impressed. Um and uh, pretty disgusting too. So, so yeah. And, uh, also on, uh, I guess I forgot this on my walks this week, there were a lot of penis pictures drawn in chalk on the, on the path. And then someone wrote MAGA a bunch of places. All my neighbors are out there trying to like brush it away, but you know, you really need water to wash chalk away. Um, you know, basically if you're writing MAGA on something, you're a loser. Um, you know, fine, you're, you you can be uh, more conservative than me, but if you're for white supremacy and just dumb, then uh, there's your sign. Uh, that's the team that you've chosen to be on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, some of the penis pictures actually had words pointing to it saying, this is a penis. These are the balls. Uh, so, you know, if you had young kids or kids walking, I'm sure some parents had some fun explanation time uh, on our bike path. But just remember, life is not rated G. Uh, so if you're going to go outside and experience the world, uh, be prepared for the world to, uh, to be waiting for you. So that's my, my little bit of advice there. So, uh, you know, while I wouldn't draw giant penises on the street, um, I still thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> just, I just remember laughing, thinking like, yeah, someone was out here drawing them. And then really they were big. One of them was like four or five feet or, you know, um, long. So, <laughs> um, Anyhow, uh, let's do our big transition over to IndyCar here. Uh, Road America in Elkhart Lake, Lake, Wisconsin was this last weekend. And Alexander Rossi won. Uh, Young Colton Herta had the pole, but Rossi just blasted by him. It's a running start at uh, Road America, and there's an uphill uh, start finish, which I think is kind of cool. So basically, Rossi ran away with it. He led... uh, Every lap but one, and Graham Rahal led the other one. That was just because he had to pit at some point, and it ran around. Uh, it cycled through that way, but only briefly. So Rossi basically ran away with it, um, which didn't make it a bad race. The race was really good. Second through seventh place was some of the best racing I've watched in a long time. And even Rossi's dominance was pretty cool. I mean, he he was in he was great. Uh, Scott Dixon spun out on the first lap and then wound up finishing seventh, as Scott Dixon does. Uh, he is uh, basically unstoppable. And uh, young Santino Ferrucci uh, finished the race again. He's completed more laps than anyone this season and has no DNFs. So 
Uh, Santino has uh, exceeded expectations. Uh, he's a tiny little guy, but a uh, uh, good racer. Dale Coyne Racing is lucky to have him. Um, so Rossi, of course, won by 28 seconds, uh, which when you stretch that time out over distance, he literally won by a mile. Now, this is a four and a half mile course. Um, so, you know, you do get a little spread out, but it was ridiculous. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Alexander Rossi is an excellent driver and uh, yeah, uh, very popular. And speaking of popular, the ratings were up. It was a 0.93 overnight for Road America on NBC. Uh, those are great ratings. It means, you know, they're hitting the, over the million mark for people, uh, probably closer to 2 million with this um, for total audience. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, up is up. Uh, ratings overall this season are going to turn out to be up. Uh, we're more than halfway through, and we've been up everywhere except for Barber, which was a disaster for ratings, but that was a good race. Um, so I liked it. The problem now comes, the it's a three-week off period, and I think IndyCar should be at Watkins Glen this weekend with IMSA. IMSA's running the six hours of Sahelin, and the DPI cars will be back, uh, the Daytona prototypes, the big Cadillacs and uh, Mazdas and Nissans. So uh, that's pretty cool. And I like uh, endurance racing. Six-hour races are pretty neat. Um, but this is where IndyCar needs to maybe suck it up and be the opening act on a Saturday for this. Uh, I know they consider themselves the, the marquee racing series, um, and they don't like second fiddle, but I think that a couple of times here and there, um, just simply sharing the, 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 the track cost for the weekend would benefit them. Also, the Watkins Glen is in New York. It would give them another Northeast um, race. So I would do that. Also add Richmond and, uh, you know, my constant complaint, get on that Roval in North Carolina. Um, Virginia and North Carolina um, are important markets, I think. And then being in New York at Watkins Glen, which is a, a nice road course, that, that would be good as well. So I want 20 to 25 races. Adding uh, the ones I just mentioned would put IndyCar at 20 uh, saying you don't lose anything else. Pocono is probably the, the, the shakiest one. Uh, it's a big track. Two guys have died on it, uh, you know, or, or a guy, Justin Wilson died on it a few years back. And last year, um, you know, you had the incident there, uh, and you know, huge wreck people hurt. So, um, yeah, I could see where that one might fall off. Um, Robert Wickens, was the one who, you know, he barely uh, survived. He was, he's been partially paralyzed since then. He's regaining his, his ability to walk and stand and use his arms. And uh, it's pretty uh, inspirational stuff, but he still has, uh, you know, they're hoping he can race next year. Uh, and Arrow Schmidt-Peterson actually saved his car for him. So we'll see. But that's one of the reasons Pocono could go away because the tricky triangle, it's a three-corner oval. Um, so... Uh, that you could see that one going away and being replaced with Richmond, which I don't want to happen, but yeah, you know, so, um, sports car racing, I, I really do like, and, uh, this weekend was also the 24 hour at Nürburgring, which, uh, is mostly TC class and GT racing. There aren't any of the prototypes, 
uh, LMP1 cars uh, or Daytona prototypes in this race, uh, but it is such a long course. I believe it's seven miles. Um, don't quote me on that. The, the, there's a couple of different courses within it, but uh, that allows for 200 cars on track. So the 24 hours at Nürburgring, while not as exciting as Le Mans, I was pretty impressed with all the cars on track. And you could watch on YouTube in English, German, French. You could watch it on like three or four different languages and then several in-car views. So that was kind of cool. And uh, I flipped back and forth to that, um, which was fine. So, um, you know, I was getting my little fix in there of, of racing, um, you know, IndyCar, this, this is this, like I said, this is the problem. You have this three week period off here and then there's a gap in August as well. So that's where these races need to come in. Uh, the other real gut punch was sort of the revealing of that Porsche actually has said no to IndyCar and they were going to be joining in May, uh, and with, with an, with an announcement, but, when they realized that IndyCar was not going to go with a hybrid formula, uh, they were out. And so, you know, you look at someone like Formula E, they have a lot of manufacturers involved. Now, Formula E racing is garbage compared to IndyCar, but it's much more relevant technology. I mean, electric cars, uh, people have a problem with them, but I own one. My brother has a couple of them. My parents had one. Uh, one of my... My friend Eric, one of my best friends, he drives an electric car. So a lot of people drive electric cars, and their performance is getting better. Now, they don't have to change the car this year halfway through in Formula E, but um, it's still not quite there. But with all the manufacturer influence and McLaren making these awesome batteries, uh, you see the upswing. And IndyCar is still on a non-aspirated turbocharged formula. And I think it's time to allow for a second formula or switch over to hybrids. Um which are much more relevant in today's world and going forward. Um, so up the horsepower, uh, give it a hybrid system, maybe even allow for guys to run without a hybrid system, but use a, a balance of performance, maybe a smaller fuel cell. I'm, I'm not sure, um, but IndyCar needs to think about that. And, uh, you know, if they want more manufacturers like Formula E, then they need to uh, have a more um, relevant formula, uh, in my opinion. So that's some racing for this week, guys. Uh, let's uh, do our little transition over here to some conspiracy talk. And uh, this week we're going to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about conspiracy involving government politics and conflict. Uh, so I kind of prepared a little, some stuff here. So in the modern era, political conspiracy theories are often using uh, spread using fake news on social media. Fake news. Uh, in a 2017 study of fake news published by the Shorenstein Center found that misinformation is currently predominantly a pathology of the right. So, you know, right-wing conspiracy theorists are the ones who, like, rule social media and YouTube. And they're the ones getting kicked off of everything because uh, it turns out inciting people to believe stuff, uh, you know, like a guy showing up with a gun at a pizza parlor because he thinks Hillary Clinton has child sex slaves in the basement. That sounds reasonable. So... Uh, yeah, the uh, that sort of stuff is coming from the right. Uh, political conspiracy theories may take generalized and wide-ranging forms concerning wars and international bodies, but may also be seen at a localized level, uh, which happens all the time. So, such as the conspiracy theory pertaining to the 118th Battalion, a British regiment stationed in Kitchener, 
Ontario during World War I, which is believed by some in Kitchener to still be present in controlling local politics, which is completely absurd. But uh, so is this. You ever hear of the Illuminati? They're basically blamed for everything. Uh, you know, they're involved in angels and demons, uh, all sorts of stuff. So conspiracy theories concerning the Illuminati, a short-lived 18th century Enlightenment society, appear to have originated in the late 19th century when some conservatives in Europe came to believe that the group had been responsible for the French revolution hoaxes about the illuminati were later spread in the 1960s by a group of american practical jokers known as the discordians uh, who for example wrote a series of fake letters about the illuminati to playboy so the illuminati of course you know some people think that they run the world uh, they're like the new world order or the bilderbergs uh, or any of these uh, secret societies you know people blame the the freemasons uh, for running the planet and i can tell you just by attending some conferences uh, nothing related to the freemason but at freemason facilities uh, their facilities need new coats of paint before they're actually going to be running the world um, <laughs> the, i i don't know uh, where people get this, I guess, you know, cause some of their stuff is secret, but anyone can join. So, um, yeah, anyway, that was the Illuminati, which kind of plays right into false flag operations and false flag operations are covert ops designed to appear as if they're being carried out by other entities or nations. Uh, some allegations of false flag operations have been verified or have been subjects of legitimate historical dispute. Uh, such as the 1933 Reichstag arson attack. You know, that was used uh, by, the, the, by the Nazis so they could go kill people. Um, discussion of unsubstantiated allegations of such operations features strongly in conspiracy theory discourse. Uh, you know, they blame uh, fault, uh, the shootings are fake. Uh, the shooters are part of the deep state. Uh, they're doing it to take away our guns. Uh, other allegations similar, uh, other allegations of similar operations have attacked have attached to the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the Oklahoma City bombing, the 2004 Madrid train bombings, and famously the 1964 Gulf of Tonkin incident. Uh, the rise of ISIS gave rise to conspiracy theories that it had been created by the U.S., the CIA, Mossad, or Hillary Clinton. You know, Hillary Clinton created ISIS. Um, that's just dumb. Anyway, the same happened after the rise of Boko Haram. Um, here is the the big prize for the conspiracy theorists, these two items, the 9-11 attacks, the multiple attacks made on the U.S. terror made on the U.S. by terrorists using hijacked aircraft on September 11, 2001, have proved especially attractive to conspiracy theorists. Uh, theories may include references to missiles or hologram technology. By far, the most popular theory is that the attacks were, in fact, controlled demolitions, a theory which has been rejected by just about every engineer Um engineering professional and the 9-11 commission so uh that you know that's pretty disgusting that one and here is sandy hook you know you have jerks like alex jones basically claiming these people are crisis actors and that the children were not killed and this was all done uh, by the left and the deep state to get rid of guns or enact gun control so um just absurd but a 2012 fatal mass shooting at sandy hook elementary school in newtown connecticut prompted numerous conspiracy theories among which is the claim that it was a manufactured event with the aim of promoting gun control uh former ku klux klan member and grand dragon loser david duke uh, theorized that Zionists were responsible so you know here comes some racist kook out of here see it's interesting how the racism 
and guns and conspiracy all kind of run together. Um, harassment of the bereaved family. Uh, theory, uh, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones has suggested that the event was staged, made with staged actors. Harassment of the bereaved families by conspiracy theorists has resulted in a number of prosecutions, including good old Rush Limbaugh also stated that the event happened because the Mayan calendar phenomenon made the shooter, Adam Lanza, do it. Now, Rush Limbaugh, a opioid addict, a pill-popping loser, probably thought that up while he took too many oxys one day, which he uh, doctor shopped for. So maybe you know, if you want a good conspiracy, it's uh, who's given Rush Limbaugh all the pills he doesn't need to be taking. He's a drug addict. So, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you, but conspiracy theories can be dangerous, and uh, they do affect real people, uh, such as the parents involved in the Sandy Hook thing. It was a tragedy. 25 uh, small children were murdered, and uh, you have some psychos on the radio, these guys who you know are getting pulled off most of social media, YouTube included. Um, the fact that you can't even do a conspiratorial thing on Pinterest anymore, which I don't, I barely know what Pinterest is. It's like a collection of pictures of things people want. <laughs> that, that seems dumb in itself. But um, these conspiracies really do affect people and real people get hurt, uh, you know, like the Pizzagate thing, you know, guys showing up with guns. Uh, the fact that Democrats, uh, especially Democrats, are being blamed for running a pedophile child ring, a global one, uh, is insane. Um, you know, that they, uh, the these right-wing conspiracy theorists have tried to involve them in that Canadian cult, the one with all the actresses. Somehow that's connected to the Democrats running for president. Um, you know, this, this is dangerous stuff. And conspiracy um, can be fun. But if you're going to try and incite uh, violence, then, uh, you know, it's dangerous. So on that note, we're done for the day. It was a great show. Thanks for dipping in the slipstream. Uh, Hana is approving. She is rubbing her head against the door right now and smiling at me. And uh, it's also her favorite show. So if you want to... Give us a review on uh, any of the platforms we're available on, especially on iTunes or Stitcher. That would be great. Uh, if you want the straight dope, check me out at Ronkle on Twitter. And everybody, just be safe out there. And remember, the shadow of white noise is calling. <laughs>